1: That's Tim. Hey, that's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic, down to that rare damn it, that rare gem that's trying to listen to the new Robert Palmer at the back of your <laughs> video store shelf. This week, Tim and I enter the 80s boardroom from the year 2000. It's American Psycho. Episode 99. Here we go. Tim, uh, do you think you could live that VP
0: lifestyle? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. And I thought about that a lot in watching this movie. There have been some times in my life where I have been in places that exude wealth. Yeah. And it makes me want to throw up <laughs> like it. It makes me so uncomfortable. And the funny thing is, is it's probably just me, because in these places that I'm thinking of, no one has ever been like rude or dismissive or like staring or anything like that. So it's it's not anything outward. It's yeah. just uh, there are because I, I know plenty of folks out there. I'll give you a great example. There are some farmers out there that have more money than you'll ever see in your lifetime. And I mean, a lot of wealth, especially if it's generational and the farm has been in the family for years. And they're just going to be just as common as anybody. So wealth itself does not equal uh, a persona or a personality or a a, a style of behavior. But the places that I have been that are exclusive, that do require money or um, a certain prestige to be in maybe a Uh, strict dress code uh, some of them yeah uh (laughs) while it it, while thoroughly enjoyable places you can feel the wealth um and i i just don't fit that yeah i don't and i i think that it's the same reason why i've I've said it before on the show that i am i'm thrilled to have never become uh a famous actor and and everything that goes along with, like, a wildly famous actor. Right. Because I honestly think that that would be the saddest thing in the world. I, I really feel like it's almost you having to... Base it. It's like waking up from a dream, like, your whole life and everybody that you knew and all the relationships that you had, that you wake up and none of it actually existed. I feel like you get so extracted from reality to live yeah. in that life that it that, to me, would just turn my stomach.
1: Well, especially that level of fame. It's hard to even just uh interact sure. in, in a reality
0: or you would wonder like the intentions of anybody that you met it would be become incredibly easy to get paranoid. Oh my god, yeah. And um and you would wonder who your real I'm friends are. I'm already that way like I just do nothing. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Every right. person
1: I meet I'm like what does this person
0: want? Yeah. Why are they being nice to me? <laughs> and I think it's probably like the reason why you know you have these instances of celebrities getting you know and it's always such a such a tragedy when somebody puts on 50 or 60 pounds and it's like oh they've let themselves go and they're wasting away in some bungalow behind a hotel that they have permanent residence in and whatever (laughs) and it's just like no they're probably just like it's probably a defense mechanism because they just can't stand it anymore you know and they're trying to just like almost take themselves out of it yeah um so that's where i applaud like if you are a guy like a famous person. But I mean like you don't see Gary Oldman in the tabloids. You yeah. know what I mean? The guy churns out this amazing work. Everybody knows who he is, but it I would think that he doesn't have to deal with that same kind of like pressure.
1: Yeah. I and, feel like he doesn't pursue it either. I mean the people who are, you know, the bigger names, they also kind of pursue that they want to be seen in public.
0: Yeah, that's you know? true. Well, and and that's a big part of I remember when I was about 17, and I had a quote-unquote manager. Um, and Wait, you did? Yeah, yeah. It's a very, <laughs> what? very, very, what? very seedy story. No shit. Yeah.
1: Are you telling me this uh, story of a manager I've never heard about was
0: uh, Yeah, a little, a little shady? Yeah, it was incredibly shady. I've never told you that before. I don't think so. The to- first time I was at his office, he asked me to take pull my pants down and all that stuff.
1: Okay, now that you say that, maybe. (laughs) Right, yeah. You don't usually forget that. Probably not
0: something we've talked about in 25 years. Right, right. (laughs) So, um, But I remember him saying that a big part of what the first step is, is regardless of whether you know that person or not, or you have anything to do with them, that if we go to a place where there are famous people, which we did a couple of times, um, to make sure that you are next to that person as much as possible. You try to get pictures taken with that person so that people just associate you with that level of fame or, yeah. or notoriety or whatever. So yeah, that that's a huge part of it. Like just trying to be in the right circles and be around the right people. And that's yeah. that's the goal. You're you're chasing it.
1: Yeah. I think we're yeah, I think we're getting a little a little off with the actor bit. But there is that level also of Yeah, probably the restaurants you go to 'Cause this is what, you know, your financial VPs are not really the rock stars where people are like, Holy shit, that's uh, you know Right. The VP of marketing over at whatever, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Um But yeah, there's still a uh they have to maintain this perception of like even just the opening shot of this film where they're with the the food, like yeah. where they're in the restaurant. Yeah. I'm like, even I uh, you know, I enjoy a fancy meal but i'll i say fancy as in i like a creative meal i'm not like this better look good like i could give a shit what my food looks like it's cool when they're able to present something cool but like the meals they were showing at the beginning of this are like just purely fucking i'm I'm sure they taste good i mean it's a, a nice restaurant but there's the portions are so small like i'm not about that
0: well, yeah. Well, and and honestly, and I can say this not in a sort of like um, like overly humble way, but in an honest way. I could be somewhere where somebody says, hey, we can go. We've been invited to go to. What's that guy's name? Gordon Ramsay. Is that his yeah, okay. name? Yeah. All right. So he's a chef. we can go to, to his restaurant and he is going to personally be there. And he's actually doing all the cooking tonight. And, you know, it's the hottest ticket in town or. We can go eat burgers at this dive bar down the street where you can smoke inside. And I would be like, fucking take me there. Right. Like I will, you know, I that 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 sort of um, and I don't know. I I don't want to sound like a prick saying that because some people are really into cuisine and all of the artistry and the talent that goes into that. I'm not going to take that away. Yeah. Um, But that's that we watch. We're a top chef house. We like watching top chef. I'm more of a uh, cutthroat kitchen guy myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, wow. love, I love Chef Tila. Like, I love that guy. He's so cool. Wait, is that show still on? No. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> no. no. Um, Did you know there's a, sh- a guy from, well, he's not from Valpo, but he has restaurants in Valpo. He was on that show. He was on, on Cutthroat, cutthroat kitchen? kitchen, yeah.
0: Oh, no shit. I've yeah. seen him. I, I've seen every episode. He
1: uh, His name is Corey. He uh, he had chili. That was the thing he uh, lost on. It was like the first round, and oh. he lost on chili. Yeah, well, and they- he owns a pizza place here in town. <clears throat> so there, after that episode aired, their pizza of the month was like a chili pizza.
0: Okay, yeah. Like, but I uh, also
1: hear he does not like you bringing it up. He was like, uh-huh, "I did the joke
0: the one time. Let's not talk about it anymore." Right, because I lost. Right. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure he's loving NBA. us talking about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> um no i i uh i do i enjoy i enjoy cooking shows I'll tell you what not to get off on a tangent, but I feel like that type of reality show where there is the, the something that can't be argued like reality shows are so ridiculous. I was talking about with somebody about this recently like the one that really sent me over the edge was an episode of l a Inc. and Kat von d was in the goddamn bathtub with um Orby. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Orbison's son. Oh, okay. It's just absolute troll of a human being. Maybe he's a nice guy, I don't know. But he he looked like uh like kind of like a long stringy haired albino. But She's in the bathtub with him, and there's candles around, and they're supposed to be having this, like, reconnecting talk after a fight. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm no professional actor, but I've been on a TV set before, and there are wires, and there are cameras, and there are lights, and there are microphones. And for me to believe that this is somehow just some intimate moment that's captured is garbage. Right. So – However, my point is though, if you have a show where you're making um like I loved Project Runway, like yeah. you're making a garment, you're cre- pre uh, you know preparing a dish, you're actually technically doing something yeah. that can be judged uh, yeah. on criteria th- that's cool. yeah. I See, like that. people call
1: those shows reality shows. I'm like, no, they're game
0: shows. Was a game show? Actually, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, a long form game show. That's
1: my big one. I people are like, "That's the first reality show." I'm like, "It's a fucking game show. You're winning a million dollars. It's a naked game show, (laughs) right?" (laughs) Right. Reality show is yeah. Not to be confused. Family in Beverly Hills that is like this week we're buying an alligator. Oh, what crazy! Like that's (laughs) that's a reality show.
0: (laughs) Not to be confused with Naked Basement, which is a bridge (laughs) episode. Uh, But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think getting back to your original question. Yeah, I, I have no interest. Would you ever
1: want to stress over what kind of business card you're buying? That's really what it boils down to. Could you ever imagine making those decisions and like putting thought into it?
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you some insight. This is really interesting actually, uh, that I can speak to, um, when I was first in going on sales meetings and I didn't know what to expect, I was expecting like the good old fashioned, like three martini lunch and all that stuff. <laughs> sure. And we get wasted and just hash it out and <laughs> sign contracts. It's not like that. Um But so dumb. I, I do every single uh, I remember when I first reached for the handle on the door at uh, Tootsie Roll Incorporated, you know, to as a 27 year old to try and convince them to do business with me. Yeah. Uh, and I had a three piece suit on and, and made sure that I I wore that and and tried to be as impeccable as possible. Well, I was in the business for a couple of years, left it. And then when I went back, I remember going downtown to an office for uh, uh, the company that makes um, core uh, like that drink. It's the same people that own the uh, the cow place, but oh, Fair Oaks Fair Farms. Oaks Farm. But this is like a different division of theirs, and they've got okay. this beautiful, swanky office downtown with a you know like a tasting room and like a uh, they've got like a pool table in there and a beer keg and all this stuff. But what was funny was is after those years of being gone and going back, the dress code for a business meeting was basically who can look like they care about this less. Yeah. And the, and the whole dynamic had changed. Awesome. It was it wasn't like if I had walked into there with a, a three piece suit on, they would have been like, "Who's this fucking Joker?" Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting though I'm how glad. that. I'm so
1: glad. At least that's changed. <laughs> right, right. That's my jam. Yeah. I feel like I was, you know, I pushed that. I think I started that trend. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, it's like.
0: <laughs> now I can just go to business meetings and literally like just pick clothes off the floor in the morning <laughs> right. and just throw it on. Um. But you can yeah tell I'm serious because of the three stains that are on this shirt, <laughs> right. And you know, I'm more serious because I don't even have a shirt on, and there are three <laughs> yeah. stains on my body. Um, yeah, like that's that's the the point that we're getting to. um but no i I think it I've always said if I could just pay my bills and have well, I'll just leave it at that. if I could just pay my bills, no, but I mean, if I could pay my bills. <laughs> and have a little extra money to have a little bit of locally available fun like that's that's all you need yeah you know it it i you know the funny thing is i've been thinking about this recently i'm not even sure how much i enjoy traveling i think i enjoy traveling i just hate packing sure so are there people that just do that for you or do you have to be well, the pack. people that we're talking about oh <laughs> you have to be that wealthy Who so will pack their stuff yeah just someone to, maybe i could just pay somebody 20 bucks to come over and pack my suitcase for me
1: uh then i would yeah, like,
0: i'll do that for 20 bucks then i would like traveling a <laughs> lot more <laughs> once i get there i'm fine wow but yeah
1: yeah I well mean, i've packing told- for me is very easy it's like how many days will i be gone that's how many
0: t-shirts i bring pairs of underwear
1: uh two pairs of socks
0: no matter what well, I've told you before that there was one day and this is I'm not this is not even a joke. Literally, I was preparing to go on a trip for 7 days. I had been packing for an hour and a half. The only thing that was in that suitcase were two different styles of jump rope. <laughs> Literally, Jesus. no clothes, no shoes, no nothing, just two different jump ropes. And I was just sitting there like frozen and just <laughs> could not do it. Wow. But um but yeah, no, I uh I think that this kind of wealth can be dangerous, and I'm going to speak to that a lot more later when I I get to what I feel is the root of this movie and how distanced that wealth takes us from ourselves and our true nature.
1: All right. Well, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, So it's American Psycho from the year... From the year two thousand. <laughs> this was written by Mary Heron and uh, Genevieve Turner. Directed by Mary Heron, Stars Christian Bale, Chloe Sevigny, and Willem Dafoe. A uh, budget of seven million. Box office thirty four. It's a goddamn bona fide hit. It is. Let's do Nan some, and then we can get into some spoilers and stuff. Patrick Bateman is a VP investment banker who takes pride in his looks and social stature. But deep down, Patrick is a psychopathic killer. As the stresses of keeping his public persona engaged and affluent, Patrick's sickness takes him down a darker path of murder and mayhem, until a killing spree on the streets of New York stand to threaten everything he's achieved. Will he pay for his crimes, or does he stand to be the model of the perfect American psycho?
0: Yeah.
1: I love the It's
0: actually from Natural Born Killers, the murder. Mayhem, Well done. Um yeah, no, that's that's um very eloquent Thank and you. uh and I guess that's kind of one of the more fun parts of this movie whereas you know, I'm given to understand that there are like pages and pages of people dissecting this movie and you know college freshmen all watching it together gathered in their dorms and then you know coming up with all these theories of who this person actually was or what actually happened or you know kind of murder boarding the whole thing to diagram like what what was really happening in the movie yeah which is great um i mean that's a good sign it's i'll tell you the the one thing and just to get this out of the way the one thing that i'm so excited for in this movie is that we talk, especially on this show, all the time about these movies that really push the boundaries. And rarely do those movies get any sort of, not just even um, acknowledgement, but any sort of uh, a, a praise or recognition. I mean, it's a goddamn miracle that Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture of the Year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the crowning achievement for horror fans, yeah. you know, in, in Acceptance. But this movie is, like you said, monetarily it's a hit, and every fucking person has seen it. I mean, rarely do you find somebody who hasn't seen this. That's true in our in our group of people. Anyhow. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is. It pushes it's a boundaries. generational movie.
1: Absolutely. I feel like, you know, younger generations. I mean, I'm sure there's a, still a good chunk of millennials, but I feel like anyone like halfway through that and younger has seen so many like clips and gifs and i mean you really like once you see like two or three scenes from this movie i think you get a good idea of like what the movie is so maybe you're like i don't need to see
0: it now and you're probably right about whatever your assertions are (laughs) like it's they're probably pretty accurate Yeah. like when you see christian bale you know banging some girl and like pointing to himself in the mirror like yeah that's that's pretty much exactly what they're going for (laughs) right um yeah no i i like the the fact that uh you know not to contradict myself but that the movie is ambiguous but at the same time it's um i don't feel like it's it's trying to be tricky or crafty um no it's it's pretty straightforward in what it's presenting
1: yeah
0: now whether to what extent at the end of the movie that you believe something happened or didn't happen is up to up to interpretation but i love how unapologetic it is in its you know um how gratuitous it is with the violence, with the cruelty, with the sex, and that. And I hate to say it, but we're all thinking the same thing. It makes that stuff look real fun. <laughs> I get done. Like it makes it fun to watch, not fun to do. Right. Sure. Uh, well, let me clarify. Sure. <laughs> it makes it, it's entertaining and it's funny. Yeah, That's yes. the best part. It's funny. 100%. Yeah. Hey, is this movie, does anybody refer to this movie as a comedy? Because it absolutely is. Yeah.
1: I think it's referred to as a black comedy. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, just a little bit of the the history, and then we can dig into the the juicy stuff. So everybody knows that that this book was written by Brett Easton Ellis, which that guy even in and of himself just sort of personifies that eighties indulgence, wealth. Um, you know, a lot of his stuff is semi autobiographical yeah. uh, from at least things that he saw or or experienced. So my first taste of him was less than zero, which is a fantastic film um, and uh, that he naturally wrote the book of and uh, wonderful, wonderful examination of of excess and the tragedy within that excess, which is hard to do because <clears throat> I've said this before when I watched the goddamn Cherry Orchard, which kill me if I ever try to go to that show, show again. I mean, oh ever God. like I know that I know it's very popular, but. <laughs> I have a have hard. we
1: talked about that before? Oh yes.
0: Okay. And, but but we it deserves to be talked about again. We will. Um, but uh, I have a hard time feeling a lot of sympathy. Not to say that there isn't. Um, I want to be compassionate in saying this, but it's not to say that people that have a lot of uh, privilege or wealth or whatever don't have their own set of problems because they certainly do. Sure. Um, but I just have a hard time like. Weeping in the aisles for like aristocrats, you know, <laughs> right? Like, and so, but Brett Easton Ellis did an excellent job of showing that sort of fragility and humanity that exists within such a, a surface oriented world. Yeah. And, and he's a great writer on top of it. I mean, just uh, technically, he's a great writer.
1: Yeah. I read this book way back and I only read it not because of this movie, but because another movie came out called Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Which is based off a book that he also wrote. Mm -hmm. And the main character in it is Patrick Bateman's brother. Yeah. And Patrick shows up very briefly, has no like psycho moment, is just kind of like, hey, bro, hey, here's some money or whatever. I I don't remember what the connection was. Yeah. But I was like, well, I should read. Now I want to see like what his character is like. I don't really remember anything from the book. I remember being a lot more violent. Oh. Uh, But that's about it.
0: Yeah, you mean the the book of American Psycho? Yes, then. of American okay. Psycho.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and rules then, of Attraction, not violent. Well, there's like one violent bit, but that's
0: and that's something I really would like to read the book. I'm sort of glad that I didn't. I'm not surprised that I didn't because I don't read. But I I uh, I'm glad that I didn't because I think that this movie has enough questions in and of itself without having the source material to influence that, which sounds like an ignorant thing to say, because you would think that that source material should influence it. But we're talking about the movie here, not the book. Right. So that's, that's an important distinction. Yeah. Um, Now.
1: I just was happy. I read something.
0: Yeah, no, (laughs) you should. And and I, I would like to read it. I I would now that I've seen it. And after we talk about it, I I would like to read it. Um, As far as the history goes of this film, uh, it's it's no Hollywood secret that it it had its stumbles out of the gate, uh, as far as <clears throat> switching directors, yeah. switching casts. Um. Yeah, because the book came out in ninety one,
1: and they snatched up the rights pretty quickly to it. Yeah, uh, and then toiled for because like in ninety two, I think the the rights were for, bought the first time, or however that works. Yeah, that then, sounds. Uh, you know, we don't get a movie for eight more years.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And, and you know, they were the, basically like your who's who of directors were bandied about. And what's kind of funny is, is that f- from what I've read, that Leonardo DiCaprio was attached to this pretty early on. Uh-huh. So he was the one. And I, I guess when you get to be at that level that you're allowed this. He was the one that said, here's a list of directors that I think should direct this movie. <laughs> and, of course, he put, like, Scorsese on there and and uh, several others. Yeah. And um, one of them was Oliver Stone. So they they moved ahead with that. Oliver Stone was interested in it. But there was a disagreement between Stone and DiCaprio as far as the tone of the movie. DiCaprio was seeing it much as the film that we see now, which is playing up the satire of these types of people in this type of existence. Yeah. Oliver Stone was wanting to like dig more into the psychology of what what actually makes Patrick Bateman the way that he is, uh-huh. uh, which of course he does. Like that's that's Oliver Stone. I mean, <laughs> right. duh. So um, so disagreements there. And DiCaprio left because of that, and then I'll nobody could agree with the tone that Oliver Stone wanted to take it with, so then it was just kind of up in the air again, and I believe that Mary Heron had it, might have even had I believe she had it prior to all of this discussion, and then it came back to her. Oh, okay. and. She had been shot down for wanting Christian Bale, and she was really pushing hard for him. And the 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 powers that be just thought that he just didn't have enough star power. Which isn't that kind of funny to think about now, because it's like right. after the fact, it's like, what do you mean Christian Bale didn't have enough star power? You know what I mean? But at yeah. the time,
1: but he didn't. like, what did he do? Like before this Empire of the Sun, right? Empire <laughs> of the Sun, which was when he was a kid. Uh, yeah, I was gonna make a joke about how you know he. Uh, can constantly change his body, and even one time he made himself like a thirteen-year-old boy so he could do Empire of the Sun. But you know, it was—I guess that's still a good joke. It is, <laughs> it is. I like uh, But yeah, he did that newsies. But like, this was probably his like, oh, let's take him serious movie.
0: So there's really, and I should have looked at it, but is there nothing before this of any like, I mean, as an adult uh
1: I, well hold on uh that's a good idea i shit shit
0: that's okay you know what on other podcasts they stop to look stuff up i i've realized this now there's <laughs> yeah, no that's true, there's yeah. no shame here
1: uh i mean yeah not you know he did little women so he like worked like every year but nothing like in a leading part or anything
0: like important movies that i didn't get around to see yeah
1: portrait <laughs> of a lady
0: yeah i don't see that kind of stuff
1: is that what Oh, Jane Campion did that. Oh, I should have watched that. Whoops. Uh, Velvet Goldmine, which oh, I never saw. Yes, yeah, yes, that was probably where they were like, "Oh, Christian Bale's grown up."
0: Yes, and that is God damn, I love that movie, and he's great in it. Um, uh, yeah, kind of an explicit scene on a rooftop with him there and oh, another man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I love that movie, and it's so, okay, but yeah, essentially nothing before right. that. I mean, as far as this level, right. So, but she really pushed for it and everybody knows, like you alluded to, like Christian Bale is no stranger to really pouring himself into a role physically and uh, worked out on his own for several months leading up to, you know, auditions and what have you, and then got a personal trainer um, to really push his body to the limit, which he does look gorgeous in this. Oh, my God. He's pretty goddamn beautiful in this movie. Um, Even like. For a, a person, I guess I know he was raised in Wales. He's British, though. Um, I mean, a, about as nice of a face as a British guy can have. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, nothing against our fans. Like when he and, says,
1: like his character's like, I can do a thousand crunches. Like I'm sure at the time he could do. I that. believe it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I absolutely believe it. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he really pushed hard for it. She really had to to argue her way into it, and I think that. In kind of summation of all the the crap that happened. I think that it was just kind of like a war of attrition. Like so much had fallen away that it was just kind of like, all right, let's just do this with a small budget and do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think it's they just kind of wore wore the powers that be down. Yeah, and um, and that was probably for the best. Um, So she really got to make the film that that she wanted to make. She does have I thought it was interesting. She has one regret about the movie, and it's a pretty major one but we'll we'll get to that at the end, oh, um, but yeah, and she wrote it with that's the other thing a lot of people might have a problem with the violence towards women in this film, but yeah. God damn the whole thing was helmed by women yeah the the other writer is the actress Genevieve um Turner, yeah, and she is the redhead who he kills underneath the sheets, oh, okay, she's the other writer, Elizabeth. yeah yeah, uh-huh. so um. Yeah, uh, a a strong female presence um which uh which is great uh, you know for for a movie that that does you know in fact have a lot of violence towards women. So yeah. we know that it wasn't made with a sort of like a uh, sick twisted but not nostalgia. just women. Well, that's just true. Still a
1: fair share of men.
0: That's true. Although Jared Leto is very pretty, but yeah. <laughs> um You want to talk about him?
1: <laughs> Boy. Ah, yeah, I do. I mean, cuz yeah, Listen, we all know I don't like Jared Leto. Uh, I'm not sure where I'll drop the Jared Leto song, but I should just say thanks, Nia T'Amelio, for writing it and letting me use it. Quick, you better run before he gets you in his cult. Is he an actor or a singer, Jared Leto? We hate Jared Leto. Uh, Yeah, big week. I mean, this is a big week. I, I, we were going to do this earlier, and I'm like, let's push it to... Our 99th episode, because that will also be the week in which Morbius comes out. Mm-hmm. The movie, Um am praying fails. I'm sure it'll be moderately successful, whatever. But man, I've never needed a movie to tank more of my life. So I was like, let's, we can get it all out of the way. We can get all our Jared Leto talk done in one week. So hopefully I never have to bring that movie up again. Uh, How'd you like him in this also doing movie? this like fucking movie on Apple Plus, uh, called We Crashed. I think it is. It's uh, like based off of this like We Work company and this eccentric guy that started it. And of course, it's like like I feel like Apple Plus is awful at promoting their shit. They are like going to the wall with. The, I'm like, that's all I see as promos for this stupid ass show. <laughs> so or movie, it's like a movie, I guess. But, um, yeah. So Jared Leto, yeah, looking at his filmography especially like these like late 90s early 2000s i have like no issue with him i was like oh i kind of enjoyed almost everything he was doing fight club sure uh this requiem for a dream i just I, i'm not sure i didn't dive too into it i'm just like what at what point was i just like all right this guy is fucking I don't like him anymore.
0: Somewhere around the Joker, maybe. I'm <laughs> before guessing. that, no, it was before <laughs>
1: that. That did not help. No. That really solidified where I was. Just like I can hate this guy forever now. <laughs> um, did you? But ever- no, it's just like I feel like at some point he went from like acting to I'm acting. Yeah,
0: well, that makes sense. No, you make you make an excellent point. And as much as it pains me to say this, and it, and it really does, he unf- watch this and go, "Oh, Jared Leto." he unfortunately kind of followed the what we, what is a speaking of unfortunately an unfortunate trajectory of a career that is not all that dissimilar to Johnny Depp. That's true. Johnny was doing and we everybody knows how I feel about Johnny Depp and I love him. So in the he was the guy that like had the golden touch like every movie he picked, even from the first chance movie that he ever did, this little movie—I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called *Nightmare on Elm Street*. <laughs> Has no no bearing or importance on on this show uh, as we sit right now. Um, but it was like it was like the most handcrafted, awesome resume of movies that he was doing, and it was just—it was pure gold. And then somewhere along the way, it just started just bad choices and bad films and it's like how can this be happening but you're right i mean even with uh jared leto's first stuff which i think is probably the first introduction that all of us had was my so-called life um and where he played jordan catalano uh one of the most gorgeous men that ever graced a television set and um yeah he was great i mean he just played a kind of like sort of uh Spacey stoner guy, but, um, but he was really nice to look at and he had a couple moments of sentimentality and, um, yeah, he was, he seemed to have something, you know what it is? It's when they go from being an actor to being a persona, right? And that becomes the problem when, because I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. And this is no joke. I believe he has a thing where he's got an Island now. This is mainly for the fans of his band, right? who had one good song, um, (laughs) that they go to an island and it's a kind of a little cultish, like they sort of refer to him as like a deity. (gasps) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You didn't need that ammunition to to add to your arsenal. I mean, wow. The (laughs) lack of my jaw on the floor really tells a lot. Right. But how do you like him in this movie?
1: In this movie, he's great. I yeah. mean because he's you know he's playing Smarmy, but he's not hamming it up like the I think the only person hamming it up is Christian Bale, and yeah. I think that's on purpose, yes. I mean obviously, um, but yeah, no, he just plays kind of a normal normal vP guy, you know yeah. uh he's confident but not like he's not like a a cartoony villain Correct. rich guy, yeah. Uh, I will say, I mean, now it's like like there are just a few (sighs) phrases now. You hear it, you know, something awesome is going to happen. Let's get ready to rumble, Avengers assemble, and hey, Paul! (laughs) I hear any of those three. I'm like, (laughs) something great's about to happen. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, that is... uh...
1: That's that what he does. It's, he hears it's, a, "Hey Paul" is the last thing Jared Leto hears.
0: You know, it's it's not in a lot of people's spank bank, but I mean, it's <laughs> I guess it belongs in somebody's. Uh, yeah. And if it's yours, that's I just
1: great. get like a like <laughs> even watching this, just like what a rush of adrenaline. Hey yeah. Paul, like here it comes.
0: <laughs> no, I I think that's fair, and I hey I applaud the fact that you're at least willing to say that in this film he fits the part, yeah. and he he does it. Properly and appropriately. And uh, yeah, he's he's kind of that elusive Paul Allen, that the guy that keeps getting referenced in in a sea of people, which is one of this film's main themes where nobody is different than anybody else. Yeah. And they're all the same people with all the same goals and all the same style but yet Paul Allen just seems to have it a little bit more dialed in than everybody else. So he's perfect for that.
1: Uh, And yeah, talking a little more just on that, that bit where everyone's kind of like mistaken for everyone else Mm -hmm. in this movie. Patrick Bateman is constantly no one except for like three people know him as Patrick Bateman. Right. (laughs) Even just in that opening scene, thinking back on it where, you know, it's the, it's, Bateman and his three pals, and they're like, oh, did you hear, like, so-and-so is here? Oh, he's sitting over at that table. And they'll, like, show a table, but, like, there's no focus on anyone. So it's just, like, it can ambiguously be any of them. And they were even like, yeah, Paul Allen is actually over there, but Jared Leto is not in the frame of what they're showing you. So, yeah, that part is just kind of cool how these people are just kind of these interchangeable i mean you think about like there's so many fucking vps right <laughs> Like it seems like such a uh common title right like all um, just like i don't know like how many vps could there be at a place
0: i think it's it, i think it serves the purpose of appeasing someone who's doing well but saying hey whoa hold on there we're not you're not quite at the top right. but 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 you know i will say this though kind of circling back a little bit to what we're saying about corporate structure these days i do think though like i i happen to know some people that that have achieved some some high levels within their company and it is and god bless you if you did start this trend somehow universally <laughs> but it is pretty cool how office culture has changed and that they're and, and i god i'm going to i'm going to do it i'm going to give the credit to the millennials <laughs> um, but they were the ones that really came in and said like why can't we have a ping pong table like yeah. for when we're not working what difference does it make? And whereas somebody else, Gen, Gen X or higher, would be like, "Well, you just, you, this is an office; you can't have a ping pong <laughs> table in here." Um, but they were like, "Well, why not? Yeah, we, we, we're going to have else, fun." We're the most productive generations. And then when we go back to work, we'll be laughing and energized from the shenanigans over at the ping pong table, yep. and and that there was some some weight given to that and some importance and validity. So. Thankfully, now, like when you're talking about vice president, this or executive this, I think it's it's with a lot less of an air of um, just kind of what I want to say, poshness or or just being arrogant, you know. Um, But in this movie (laughs) at this time, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was they were kind of despicable people. Yeah.
1: And this is set late 80s. I really going back into it, I could have swore this was a much earlier 80s movie, but it's and I don't know if this is supposed to be ambiguous or is just something that like fell through the cracks because, you know, uh, Patrick Bateman uh, loves music. and I mean, this guy knows I mean, he knows stuff like our friend uh, Michelob knows stuff like the way he can just rattle off albums and stuff like that. Uh, But he's talking about a Huey Lewis album from like 87. But then at the end of the movie, Ronald Reagan's on the TV and he's talking about how there's like still 17 months left in his administration, which would put it in like 86. Right. So uh, I, that part's interesting. And I, so I don't know. I mean, if it's intentional, that's great, because this movie is a little you're supposed to be like, all right, what's real and what's not?
0: I can tell you from a. So the movie was made in 2000. I can tell you from a style standpoint yeah that they hit the right note like uh, yeah that the hairstyles the clothes yeah everything like the it, it shirt is with the white
1: collar right yeah a like weird, there is specific look
0: and i've said this before there is a there is um a definitive look to um you know what stranger things goes after you know 81 82 83 you know yeah. in 80, now 84 and, and getting a little bit longer or further into it but 87 and 88 had a, are still very much eighties, but it's, it's almost two different genres of eighties yeah. and they nail the, that 86, 87 to the wall. I mean, they, they really, really get it right. Yeah. Um, the hair, the
1: hair is on point. In yeah. this Movie.
0: Yeah. You really just have to look at the women's hairstyles and they, it's, <laughs> it's right on. Um, speaking of women, uh, we got a hell of a supporting cast in this movie. Oh yeah, I mean, where where do you begin? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> who was pregnant during the the filming? Oh, was as was the director. Um, yeah. And uh, so she's in it. You've got Samantha Mathis. Yeah. Um, who I love. Who was? Um, she was in. Uh, if you remember her from Pump Up the Volume with yeah. Christian Slater. Uh, she was also a girlfriend of River Phoenix. Um at the time that he died. And uh so yeah, I I don't I don't I don't see much of her now. No. Um but uh but yeah, she was she's a great actress. Has she done lately? Um and we have uh
1: Chloe Savonier. Yes, who
0: we were talking about earlier. What a neat what a neat gift to this world she is. Because on the surface she has like that sort of Kind of looks like those that girl that, like, took art classes in high school, (laughs) um, you know, doesn't really try to maybe even, like, downplays her looks. But she looks sort of, um, I mean, there's nothing like, she doesn't look like uh, Gal Gadot or whatever like that. Like, she's not, like, the statuesque, you know, beauty. But there's something extremely alluring about her, and there always has been. Like, she just has a sort of down-to-earthness that you that you a relatability that like, I want to be friends with that girl. Like she looks like she would be a really good girlfriend, like just like a friend, you know? Right. And she's, but yet she's cool. And uh, she is the one. Let me think about this. Yes. The one redeeming quality as far as quality of person in this movie.
1: Wait, Samantha Mathis? No. Oh, Chloe said yeah. oh, Okay, okay. She sorry, is, I was looking yeah. up Samantha Mathis. Yeah, she is
0: the one <laughs> like she's halfway on Xanax the whole yeah, movie. Right, right. <laughs> but no, Chloe is like the one um who plays Jane is is the one like you know, uh she's she's us. She's the normal person. She's not yeah. caught up in all this. She works for them, but she's not these people. And to me, and, and we can kind of get into this now as, as far as, I mean, my God, like we could spend the entire episode just talking about Christian Bale's performance. Yeah. But she is a huge piece, not only in her own character, but what I believe to be one of two scenes in the film where Patrick Bateman actually shows the slightest sliver of humanity. And, and it's a very touching scene, not overdone. It could have been overwrought, but it's beautifully played where she is finally invited, which this is the funny thing. Patrick Bateman is pretty despicable to all of us, despite his physical beauty. But this girl can't wait for him to ask her out. <laughs> right. And when he finally does, like she's excited and she's going to kind of see how the other half lives and yeah. rub elbows with the important people. Do you think she
1: treats it as a date, though.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. I think she I think it was kind of like that um like a bit of a Cinderella thing. Like I get to dress up and go to D- <laughs> D'Orcia, the fancy restaurant and and I'm going to get to go to the places that all I do is take phone calls and make appointments for other people. And yeah. it's kind of her Cinderella moment. And um so and I think that oddly enough, I think she actually really likes Patrick and I think that that it's not so much Patrick that is giving her something to like i think it's the type of person that she is because she has that beautiful line where she says have you ever just wanted to make someone happy yeah and that's what kind of person she is
1: that saves her life i think
0: it is yeah (laughs) and she is and there's no shame in this um oh she's uh like a submissive and those people have a role to play yeah, uh, so to speak and uh <laughs> so she she's just one of those people that just genuinely likes making doing for others making them happy and um i think she really sees patrick as somebody that i think she senses whatever conflict is going on there and is like man i would just like to to see him like not happy because he got this reservation or because he has this suit on, but I'd like to just see that guy genuinely smile. Right. You know, just because
1: of the company he's in just having a good time.
0: Yeah. Not worrying about anything. Exactly. Which we all know is impossible (laughs) as viewers (laughs) for him. But, um, but I think she yearns for that and yearns for that from him. So that's what makes that scene so beautiful is that I, I do think that she sees it as, as something that could be, you know, have some potential and he is, don't get me wrong. He wants to kill her. Yeah. Um, and, and he is going to kill her only saved by the phone call, but it's that phone call that humanizes him because when he's got Reese Reese Witherspoon on the other end of the phone that we hear through the answering machine, kind of like sort of belittling him a little bit yeah. and, um, you know, kind of being a little condescending and that sort of thing. And it just, humanizes him enough to kind of kill his murder boner like it it does it just sort of takes that yeah. that moment away from him yeah because her whole message is like
1: you're mine and here's what we're doing right. like he just goes along with her shit
0: and that whole that whole type of killing is i'm no psychologist but it's often linked to power you know, yeah. so he just kind of gets sort of emasculated. And in that moment of emasculation, just sort of it takes the wind out of his sails. And maybe for a brief goddamn second, he looks at her and just thinks like, this is a good person. <laughs> I may Maybe not tonight. And yeah. it's uh, it's good that she leaves when she does. But um, I love that scene because it's the one thing that I ask myself about this movie. And it's probably a personal hang up of mine. Is that I love movies that have heart. I love movies that don't have heart, but insert it, and it makes it that much more poignant. Yeah. But if this movie had any more heart, that would be going against what it's all about, which is the the lack of heart, right? Yes. Yeah. So as much as we want see, right? As much as we want to see Patrick Bateman have a human moment, that's as close as we get. Yeah. And we probably, which shouldn't I'm glad
1: th- you would feel cheated, and like if he like lived happily ever after with a, his girlfriend or whatever, right?
0: Became buddies with the people <laughs> at the laundromat or, or whatever, <laughs> right. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um. But uh. But no. And then then the only other sliver of humanity that we get is the wonderful phone call confession that we get at the end, where he calls his lawyer or who he thinks is his lawyer, and gives what I'll say is one of the most finely sculpted monologues in film history yeah because if you've if you've done a monologue on stage before that's the biggest thing you're when you first go into it you think to yourself my god i just i i i'm out there without a net if i drop my line there's no one to save me (laughs) so you're just terrified about that stuff but what you when you dig into it you realize okay it's just me And it's kind of like taking an orchestra and stripping away all the other instruments and just having one instrument. So I have to give the variation and the levels that would come from all those other actors on stage or all those other instruments to go with my analogy. Um, And you have to find those levels to bring it up and take it back down and and really connect with the audience and then perform again for them and then settle in with them again. And he is. I, there are a lot of comedians out there. There are a lot of funny people out there. I don't think anybody could have been funnier in that monologue than Christian Bale. Yeah, he, he nails the fuck out of it. And even though, and you know what's funny, his accent comes through in a few spots. Oh, sure, especially with the word "girl." Uh, that's right here at the most. But it, it doesn't even matter. It's it's just so good. And the sweetest moment of that of that monologue. Yeah. The absolute, like, most endearing, uh, and I rewound it probably ten times, <laughs> is right before he admits that he ate some of their brains. Because no. <laughs> you feel like he really feels sorry about it. Yeah, and, and then he even adds in, and then I cooked a little. I tried
1: to cook, <laughs> I tried a, to little.
0: cook a little, <laughs> which is so good. And um, but the best part, oh my god! The, well, the whole thing is funny. But I love how at the end it's kind of like how you don't know how to like finish a conversation with somebody, like if you see him at the grocery store or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like exasperated, like, um like what does he say that um that uh I, I I'm thinking of going to Harry's.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs>
0: maybe I'll see you (laughs) (laughs) keep your eyes open. (laughs) Which is like such a ridiculous thing to say, but it's like, oh, he just nails the fuck out of it.
1: Yeah. And I thought he ruled. Yeah. He ruled that monologue. Although that is the one bit where, because we were kind of talking earlier about Leo being in this and would he have been better? You know, yeah. Would he have been better in this? I think he could have done that part. Maybe better, because he definitely plays frantic oh, and, yeah. like, harried way better. I do not think he could have got the vacancy of mm. Patrick Bateman, mm. like.
0: And maybe you're right. A,
1: especially when he's, you know, talking about how, because, you know, there's a couple times where Patrick Bateman does some voiceover monologuing. Yeah. There's just one part where he's like, yeah, I'm like a human, like I am bone and flesh, but uh, there is not one recognizable emotion in me. Right. And he is just like so stone, like almost mad, but where you're just like, "Mm, no, maybe he's not mad. He's
0: just still, yeah like a terminator, <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> but no you're right that's a that's a really perceptive point because Leo is at his best when he's fueled by emotion, yes, whether that's intense emotion or sadness or anger or or frustration like some of the funniest stuff in once upon a time in Hollywood is when he's frustrated in his hotel or in his uh, trailer Trailer, and it's absolutely hysterical. (laughs) I mean, honestly, kind of like I said about Christian Bale, like I I can't think of a comedian that could do it better. Right. I mean that funny. Um, But like you said, I wonder if Leo could have resisted the urge to infuse some of that humanity into what Christian Bale absolutely leaves it, devoid of right which is appropriate you know but but you and i were talking a little bit earlier about um okay so let's talk about uh, this is a perfect example so when he's talking about the music and he's pontificating about this beautifully like procured music choices uh-huh. um i don't know if it's the it's if it's the same songs are mentioned in the book or not but whether it was brett easton ellis or whoever picked these particular songs yeah like the most banal just like garbage fucking like just without any substance or anything just schmaltzy bullshit yeah um when he's
1: wait are you are you saying he lewis in the news is not good
0: I'm saying oh, Tim. I'm saying that I'm like
1: with him on this whole monologue. <laughs>
0: really? Okay. Fuck yeah. Oh, he's fun, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Huey Lewis is fun. But I mean, he's talking about them in a way that somebody would review like a, a like, you know, uh Bernstein's, you know, like <laughs> resurrection of of uh, Mahler. Um But here's my question. Does Bale go too far with a sort of performance style delivery of these lines. Like, do, do you really believe that he's talking about these things in a way that he actually truly does love them? Or yes. Does it-
1: Cause he's able to do it. Like I couldn't, you can't fake that. Well,
0: he, but he's, and but he's you know what able I'm saying?
1: To like intricately analyze like fucking Genesis's whole career and what songs were good when they were together and what you know what made Phil Collins special when he branched off and
0: you know But that's the text though. The text is there, but is his presentation of it does it come oh, across as you. somebody who like if we're talking about real acting, like real or do you like the fact maybe maybe he chose to deliver it maybe he said this stuff out loud to himself in the apartment before like dreaming of an audience to listen to his thoughts on this music right and now here's his chance with the captive audience well
1: yeah because well yeah because when he does it it's like are you saying like because as he's talking about it it isn't like uh, it's almost like a he's wink. A, yeah, He's almost like just reading a review. Like if, if I were just reading a review and reading it out loud, like he's not like it's a little I'm going to passionately wink. talk to you about this. He's just like rattling off facts.
0: Yeah, but it's a little wink wink to the audience, though, isn't it? I mean, it's a little bit like I'm go- like I'm Christian Bale and I'm in on the joke. So I'm going to present it in this way, like. Is he? Does it? And don't get me wrong; it's funny as fuck, yeah. and it makes the scene. I don't
1: know because he's also getting excited about killing Jared Leto, so I understand his enthusiasm, especially in that part. Like, okay, yeah, I'd be swishing and swaying too if I was about to put a mirror-polished axe <laughs> in Jared Leto's culty head. <laughs> yes, right, right.
0: That's fair, and because and, he's you very know, he, it's
1: not the same presentation as when he's with the, the hookers and talking about Genesis or talking about Whitney Houston.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe it's that's a different
1: presentation for different people, but it is still just like kind of a robotic regurgitation of facts.
0: And maybe that's, maybe that's what it, maybe that's appropriate because for him to get any sort of genuine, like childlike enthusiasm, um, even though we get a little bit of that with Paul Allen, which uh-huh. is adorable and fun to, to watch. But yeah. maybe that is the right way because a guy like that is never going to let that inner part of himself go. Most beautifully executed in the most uncomfortable scene in this film for me is perfect. And it is when he's in bed with the prostitutes after they've they've had after they fucked and, and yeah. done all that stuff. Because he's laying in the middle. They're sleeping on either side. And when you see that as an audience member, you're like, he has to fucking hate this. Oh, yeah. Like, like some intimacy, like after all the like sex and the banging and all that stuff is done. Yeah. Now he's just got these hookers laying in his bed and nothing against them as people. But it's I'm looking well, at and that even and
1: one I, tries to like almost grab
0: his hand. He's like, don't touch the watch. Right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there even before he gets upset like that. I'm just like on the edge of my seat, just <laughs> cringing, like, get the fuck out of there because this is just not him. So, okay, so I see what you're saying. Like maybe maybe that sort of like kind of wooden presentation. Yeah.
1: But I mean, he ob- like he obviously loves music. I mean, right. even the whole bit where Reese With- when we first meet Reese Witherspoon and he's trying to listen to fucking Robert Palmer, goddammit. Like he's into this. Yeah. I don't know what like yeah, I don't know what about what about the music like draws him because i wouldn't really be like oh yeah that's what like a psycho would listen to or something like that like
0: well you know i've had these feelings before i went to i got dragged to a concert that was um not of my own volition and anybody who knows me will will understand that when i say it was a double bill of john mayer and maroon five oh, jeez. and i'm what? i'm looking
1: <laughs> <I'm> look that <Bet laughs> did you lose were your kids kidnapped and you had to attend the concert to it free them. It was
0: a momentary <laughs> lapse of reason in a relationship. I'd let my kid die? Yeah, right. No, and and rightfully so and for a good cause. Um no, I got roped into that and it was like I was standing in the audience and I was looking at like the people, you know, very neatly dressed, their shirts tucked into their, you know, beige shorts and everything. <laughs> And I was just and they were kind of like bouncing, like there was this one guy that was just put together and he's just bouncing in this really rigid way, like trying to dance and really let loose (laughs) and whatever level he could. And I'm just wanted to go up to him and put my arm around him and be like, "Will you come back to me with me. (laughs) Will you come back to me? Will you come back with me? To my car in the parking lot <laughs> right. and let me play some music for you, please. Yeah. Like, let me change your. If you think this has got your hips moving, let me take. And now, don't get me wrong. Time that for gay bar. That guy, that guy uh, who, who sings for, for who, um, you know, it was Maroon 5 opening for John Mayer.
1: OK, I could believe that.
0: And uh, oh, my God. Uh, what a wow. uh, How I got dragged to that. I have no idea. Um she also took me to a Dave Matthews concert and I literally I feel like I want to throw up right now cuz there's <laughs> nothing that I can't stand less or more. Seriously, stuff. Um <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the point is is that <laughs> oh, it's the most annoying sound on the <laughs> Oh my god, I hate it. <laughs> It is, how did the, an entire, like, race of people get sucked into what is the most annoying music ever created by humans? Let's face it. Oh, oh my God. That album's good. Um, so, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have people like this. Now, now I'm going to speak a little bit to, and I, I'm going to make this quick, but I'm going to talk a little bit about w- w- what I think, without knowing, uh, Brett Easton Ellis's motivation might have been in, in coming up with this story in the first place. Uh-huh. That we, I think, forget just how shallow beneath the surface our animal tendencies are. Yeah. And in a world, especially this world, where so much importance is put on surface and products and where you're seen and who you're seen with and everything is surface level, that maybe patrick bateman's homicidal tend either actions or tendencies are born out of a certain need like an innate instinctual need to break beyond that kind of in the way that like if you know somebody that has like a like a working breed dog Uh and how you need to run those dogs like you gotta it's just in their in their dna you gotta run them you can't just have like a uh you know a whatever a working breed dog i don't border sure. collie okay yeah yeah, yeah sure. you can't just like keep those in a crate all day long you got they want to get out and fucking run yeah and the way that i know this They're not lap dogs no the way that i know this and somebody might say like well not everybody's like that that's bullshit everybody is an animal and i'll tell you why i, I know this for a fact um when i've been at the gym and i have somebody that's new to fighting yeah The first thing that I do when we kind of break up and partner up and maybe we're doing some some light sparring or whatever. The first thing that we have to get out of the way with them is I I just say, hit me. I I want you to hit me like just like we're supposed to be going back and forth. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to block. I'm not going to do anything. I just want you to hit me so that you can see what that feels like. And they'll do like a little tap on the chest (laughs) and I'll say, okay, well, you know, let's let's try that one more time. And they do it. And it's the same thing. And then I say, okay, well, <clears throat> here's what I want you to do. I want you to step forward while you're doing it. I want you to have some momentum behind it. So I want you to literally step forward with your foot while you throw your fist and hit me in the chest. And they do that. And it's it's a little bit more. So now I start to, like, work on them a little bit. And I say, okay, now I, I want you to do it like like you actually want to do it. <laughs> Why don't you try like you actually want to? Yeah. And now here's where they start to get frustrated, right? Because they're already uncomfortable. They're new to this. It's a physical thing. They're like that kid in the class when everybody else in the class knows how to do the thing, but you're struggling with it. You feel like you want to cry. and You feel like you want to run out the, the door. <laughs> yeah. And they, I could see that frustration, but I need it. And I say, okay, well, you know, do it like you really want to. And I, they do it and it's got a little bit more force because now they're just frustrated. Now they're yeah. upset. They're upset with me and they just want to leave. So they, they I get a little bit more out of them. And then I say, okay, now I want you to pretend like you're mad at me. Pret- I, I want you to I, just pretend like you're mad at me and hit me. Just Just hit me. And bam, there it is. And it's the first one. And I look up, and it's always the same look on their faces. Every single fucking person I've ever seen do this. And their eyes are as big as fucking like dinner plates, and they look a little embarrassed, and they look fucking exhilarated. And I say, <laughs> do it again. And they do it again. I say, again, boom, again, boom, again, boom. Harder. Boom. And then I look at them and this fucking shell of a person that was there two minutes before has cracked and turned into something else. And it is a fucking animal. And it is the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen in your life. And you could see them feel it. You see it in their face. And this is men. This is women. This is kids. This is adults. And if they I'm not saying you got to go around hitting people. Yeah. But I it think, might just be
1: hitting you. That, that maybe, does it. Yeah,
0: maybe that's what it is. <laughs> But the idea of of n- not just cramming down those feelings of that we all have within us to just like not conform to things and, and the way that you hate dress codes and the way that somebody might feel icky in a in a, a fine dining restaurant or something like that. It's because our whole lives can't be from the shoulders up like there are people that would slit your throat right now just to run down the street because they can't but you can and so so we have to do that and i think that that's what this movie is getting at is that it's not normal to make people obsess over card stock for (laughs) business cards right or to feel like they have to have reservations at the right restaurant yeah um it's that's not our nature like you have to be looser and maybe that goes back to what we're talking about with these millennials insisting on the ping pong table, like we got to move around a little bit. Like right. I can't be chained to that desk all day because I'm human. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what this movie is getting to. And I apologize for tangenting so much on this, but I think that what it's getting at is saying I'm that glad you finally got to talk about your fighting class. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I've been waiting for, have I mentioned it before? I, I'm not sure if I have, um, but I wasn't going to stop you. We I mean, fine. We got here finally. <laughs> You're right. So the point is, is that I think this movie is just saying that if you lived this kind of existence, you I'm not condoning any violence against anybody, but I'm just saying maybe it would be enough to absolutely drive you crazy. Like if you had to be that button down and that surface oriented, like wouldn't there be something in you that would just want to break out? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, for me. Yeah. Although while watching this. I did have a moment where I was like, cause look, I'm not trying to be like, I'm better. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking of other people, but yeah, I feel like I do have a level of empathy that, you know, is not normal, but there was a moment <laughs> watching this movie where I was like, would it be nice if I could just like only care about me for a second? Like, just everything i did was for my own financial gain and for my own social whatever <laughs> like that would be if i just didn't give a fuck about anyone else
0: would i like that i think about that sometimes when it's like cuz i never like give people a piece of my mind right i never ever get to do that and you know the people that do do that like that must feel kind of good yeah <laughs> Like, the people, whether they're right or wrong to do it, maybe it's misdirected anger, but boy, I bet it feels good. Yeah.
1: Um, and But then, you know, <laughs> then I go online and see people doing that, and I'm like, what a, they're just so fucking unaware and entitled and self-absorbed, like, I could never do that.
0: Right. And isn't, but isn't that what may, maybe kind of separates this movie from a, a typical... Uh, path of what a movie is supposed to take a viewer down, which is uh, a deeper understanding of somebody or maybe finding a sympathy for someone that maybe this movie isn't asking you to do that at all. It's just saying that, like, there is no resolution there. (laughs) Like, these people are these people. Isn't that funny? There's something, there's, there's life lessons that you learn all through life. You know, you're a teenager and you learn about first love and this, that, and the other. I think the last lesson that you learn, or one of the last ones that you learn as an adult, is that while it's funny how people can be real assholes in their teens or 20s, and then you, you talk to them again in their 40s, and it's like, Oh, well, this, this guy turned out to be kind of a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. And everybody kind of mellows out, right? It's just biology. But then there are some people where you're like, No. They are just a dyed in the wool asshole yes. for fucking life, and that's they're just they got a mean streak. That's just a bad person. Yeah, and and it's hard to to realize that. And I think that that's what Hollywood wants so much. Like they don't want that downbeat ending. Like they want him to have some sort of like realization or self actualization. And maybe he does. Maybe the self actualization is that none of it does matter. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's he the definitely have
1: a, a self-actualization moment, but it's and I, you know, and this was something like I wasn't sure of the first time I watched it because well, we should say, uh, well, hold on, before we get to the end, I do want to talk about real quick because I kind of mentioned it earlier, yeah, just about Patrick Bateman and the way he, way he presents himself, especially to his group, because the way he talks is just just a hair on the side of parody yeah uh it's a just just barely muffy muffy you know there's a lot of like i notice a lot of like audible inhales before yeah. he will charmingly but condescendingly uh, say something he also like there's that whole Like, he just spews out, like, nearly every, like, virtue signal you can't. Just, like, what we really need to be worrying about is housing the homeless, you know, and taking care of world hunger. And, you know, like, and to his friends, they're like, they're kind of like, okay, wow, what a stance. And, but as an audience member, you're like, oh, maybe he's not crazy. And then, like, the next scene is him. Like, in that cleaners, just being like, you, you, you can't fucking bleach this! You fucking <laughs> retard! You know, just, like, screaming at them. Yeah. Completely unhinged, because these aren't people he gives a fuck about at all. If he's nice to them, that gives him no gain at all. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. And even, like, when uh, the, the woman walks in, I almost expected him to, like, switch on a dime but even she, to him, is like, yeah, whatever. Like, he, you know, he's, like, cordial to her, but he's not like, oh, huh, put myself together.
0: Okay. <laughs> you mean kind of like how our local gas station down the street is making blue and yellow cookies in support of Ukraine? Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Are they really? Yes. Like... <laughs> I don't mean who gives a fuck about what's happening in Ukraine, but I don't think that's going to fix it. (laughs) But but your point to saying like he's pontificating about all this and you're right. It's like the things that he's saying is all the right stuff. Like he's saying like, you know, uh, a, a cultural awareness, a social awareness and and, uh, you know, protection of, of, of women's rights and equal rights for all and shelter for children. He's saying all the right things, but it's just baseless. It's saying it just to say it because yeah. it sounds because it's he's like the Terminator. It's like there's a list of things that he's supposed to say right. in a computer screen behind his eyes. I love when
1: he's also, when he's talking to that woman, the way, the way he's like trying to not commit to anything to do with her. And she's like, sometime on the weekend, he's like, all right, next Saturday. She's like, sure. He's like, I can't next Saturday. Right. (laughs) But it's crazy. Like, (laughs) like when you watch American psycho, watch Bateman's face as he leaves the cleaners, like he's blowing off that woman. He knows, and he's all smiles and thick charm. You know, I'll call you. He says with an earnest look. And as he turns to walk away, like the life immediately drains out of his face. And all you can see is just hate in his eyes as he stares into the back of her skull, like knowing the inner monologue of the book, you can appreciate it in that moment when he looks at her that way, like he's fantasizing about all the ways to mutilate her. It's the, it's the briefest of flashes, but once you see it, you'll never unsee it. I love that part.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well stated. Uh, And uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know what? You bring up an excellent point. If we're sitting here talking about uh, fun facts, I don't remember who it was on the set. It was somebody, some camera operator was saying how, when they were recording the business card scene, uh-huh. that Christian Bale could literally start sweating on cue. <laughs> Jesus. Like every, like they, they had like 10, 15 takes and he would begin sweating at the exact but same part every time like and you know where you really see that holy shit you know willem defoe who we haven't oh, even mentioned yeah is a goddamn just masterclass. in their last dinner supporting actors yeah in this he's so fucking good in this and the guy you just look at his face and you're like what well, how was a human born with this expressive of a face yeah um it's just amazing and he's so good um but in that and that scene where he finally, like, basically lets Patrick Bateman off the hook. Holy fuck, does Patrick Bateman look awful. Yeah. He looks clammy. Like that's the
1: mo- like during that scene. I'm like, he probably should have put the ice pack on. Like right. His yes. face Looks puffy. Oh. And like kind of ri- like he's got these weird ridges on his eyes yes. right there. And he does. He just looks clammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my God. And yeah. So a lot of real physical yeah, stuff. the yeah.
1: Yeah. As this private investigator, because Jared Leto's dead, thank God, and so he just comes to question him, and yeah, it's the best kind of, because Patrick Bateman is playing it, he, you know, he's doing that thing where he's being so accommodating, I just want to help, just here to help, you know, let me get you something, nah, I'm okay, No, nah, I'm gonna get it for you anyway, like, just d- he's doing the best he can to be like, I'm not a part of this, like, I'm just like a normal guy here. And everything Willem Dafoe says, you're just like, oh, he fucking knows. Yeah. He knows every. When he whips out that Huey Lewis CD. Oh, just like, yeah. Hoo! Yeah. Huey Lewis in the news. I just got it. <laughs> like, like, you're like, oh, of course he knows. He knows all of it. And then, yeah, by the end, he's just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm sure he's just like off.
0: Yeah drinking or yeah. just strolling around paris yeah. or whatever yeah he, he's so he's so great at it because he he doesn't even like he's so nice like i mean you feel like he knows everything and then he's just got him like nailed to the cross but <laughs> but he is still just like a really nice guy like i'd love to hang out with this guy yeah um another funny thing is we just that watched
1: the, the latest spider-man last night and God, he's awesome in that has, oh like, yeah the best
0: part of that movie
1: He's the yeah. best part of every movie he's
0: in. I fell asleep in that. You did? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there were parts that I liked. In the theater. For, first of all, no, or I, I, I just watched it like oh, a oh, handful okay. of days ago. Yeah. First of all, no, no fucking superhero movie has ever had more people crying in it than that one, <laughs> number one, oh, which I'm not, a, I'm not against. Uh, I, that's the pot calling the kettle black. So I'm, I'm not against it. But um, one thing, though, that I think is kind of funny. And here I was, you know, just uh, 10 minutes ago talking about how this movie should not have any redeeming qualities assigned to Patrick Bateman. However, there are some moments there where it's like we can kind of revel in his honesty. The breakup scene. With his girlfriend, so <laughs> awesome, so great, so awesome. and I know so many goddamn people that should have done exactly what he did <laughs> years ago. Where he's, she's like, we have all the Are same friends. What's that? Oh is no, that me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's uh, a weird that. way to come out with this, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, this whole, like, this whole episode has been leading up to this moment. It's an intervention. Your your family's downstairs. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, the fact where she's like, uh, you know, we have all the same friends and he's like, take them. Yeah. You can have them. And he's like, you just really don't mean that much to me. Like, it's like, oh, my God. But but at the same time, like. We're and he's the- so blunt. And he does it a couple of times, too,
1: where he's just like, I'm having homicidal thoughts and I cannot control them. Like, <laughs> right. he's just blatantly says he's like so many times. Like, he says murders and, and yeah. acquisitions. Right. And people are just like, oh, yeah, mergers. Yeah, I know what your You're- business is. You yeah. know, just yeah, I kill people. I bet you do.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to hear it. And um, and it's funny. Yeah. Like p- people just don't want to hear like I've 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 told that story about that uh, that guy th- at a place where I used to work that could say things at like he had the most like amazing gift at saying things at just the highest volume that you can without somebody registering it.
1: Oh, I don't think so.
0: I've never told you. about. OK, real quick there was a guy that worked at Menards. I won't say his name. And, um, so he had this talent where he could say things out loud to people's faces, but he knew just, I mean, and it was audible, but it was just that half decibel down to where they didn't register it. And, um, he was I, I was helping some ladies with some um wrought iron fence which is a pain in the ass it's got a bunch of different little pieces and parts and and i didn't even know what i was talking about so i called him over hoping that he knew and uh, i'm like hey so and so um these these ladies need um some help with this wrought iron fence and he's like oh yeah yeah he walks over and he's like yeah wrought iron fence he's like yeah it's really great it's a, you know it's a a, a time honored um you know, addition to to any front porch or any house, it'd be perfect for a couple fat sluts like you. And uh, what you need here is, and they just were like nodding the whole time when he called them fat sluts to their face, and it was beautiful. Um, and and they didn't. It was a victimless crime. They, did, they didn't know. Uh, but yeah. So, but the point being that that's a, a, a kind of like just illustrating how oblivious these people are to anything that they just don't want to hear right like that one poor girl um what's her name the one that uh samantha mathis plays oh uh i don't remember Whatever her name. character name. yeah is like i half expected her to just kill herself like to <laughs> right. just die, whether it was on purpose or not but it's like she's such a sad character like she's she's beautiful and
1: well her she's like in that She's just, like, marrying this dude who's obviously gay. Right. Just to be, you know, to continue being a part of that community. Right. And, and it, she does not seem to enjoy any part of it. No. But it's, like,
0: she has to do it. And there's no hope for those people. And that's where I do want to say. By
1: Matt Ross. That guy
0: rules. Yes. And, and the haircut's ridiculous. Oh, yes. And I know a Matt Ross. And not this Matt Ross, but a Matt Ross. <laughs> sure. Um But, uh No, I I think that that it's something I'm glad you brought that up. Something that I want to say, make sure that I get out as we talk about this. We've talked kind of negatively a lot about whether it might be corporate people or wealthy people or whatever. But I do want to say, though, sympathetically, because I've seen this as well, that there are people that do live in that world. that It comes with its own type of suffering. You know, I'm sure that there are a lot of kids that grow up in some really wealthy ass families that get absolutely neglected by their parents yeah. and that their parents are off doing whatever they're doing with their friends. And the kids are something to be raised by a maid or whoever else we have in the house. yeah. Um, And so I'm sure that there is great song by Frank Ocean called Rich Kids.
1: That deals with that very thing it's a great song
0: okay uh, yeah I, and that's that's something that I do genuinely have sympathy for um, and I it's not to say that you know just because somebody has money that their their life is perfect I think that's that's far too simplistic of a, a view to have of, of somebody just because of one uh, you know facet of their life so it's not to say that these people are all just dyed in the wool horrible people but I don't know. I guess it's just environmental. Like if you're raised around not really caring much except for what reservations you have, then that's the most important thing. And I tried to figure, I tried to get to the bottom of what is it with these fucking reservations? Cause it'd be like, it's
1: a, it is a huge status symbol, man.
0: Well, we, I did a play once that took place in Indiana and the joke amongst the cast was, If you forget your lines, just start talking about the weather and you'll probably be right because half the lines were just about the weather because we talk about it a lot in Indiana. Same thing with this movie. If you forget your lines, just start talking about making reservations at a restaurant, you'll probably be right. But I think as I tried to sit there and analyze that, I wondered if even beyond the status symbol thing, I wonder if it has something to do with like. To have a reservation means that you have something to look forward to. Something is happening in your life. You are yeah. going. You have to be there tomorrow at 8 o'clock. It sort of gives a sort of purpose to your purposeless existence. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, these people just live on a schedule.
0: Yeah. That's what's...
1: And that, you know, when he asked Chloe Sevigny, like, do you have plans tonight? She's like, no. <laughs> right. But he would never not have plans. Yeah.
0: And yeah, and he was kind of joking about it like of course you don't. Like like <laughs> right. people like you don't have plants, right, you yeah. know. Um but uh but yeah, that's um it, it's interesting. I I think that and I can't, I can't imagine he's eating much at these
1: rest, you know. Seems to go out to eat every night, but there's <laughs> right. no way he's eating like this a rich expensive meal every night.
0: No, because I know is that there
1: to be there.
0: I know when you and I were recently out in L.A. and I thought to myself, I would be 400 pounds <laughs> if I lived out here because the food is so goddamn good and there's so much of it yeah. uh, to choose from. Um, yeah, no, I, I you're right about that. Uh, no, I, I think this movie excels in a pretty extraordinary way in that it's kind of in a similar way. To uh the play that we did hurly burly, yeah. which is to say that we're gonna show you some pretty despicable people, but we're not like trying to ram a message down your throat, right we're just giving you a like a weird ass slice of life of a sector that might actually exist, and look at how fucking crazy this is, yeah, and um so I love the fact that it's just uh I'm not sure if it's even trying to make much of a point other than there the that that, that There is that level of existence that is that detached from humanity. I think
1: it's definitely they're speaking to the things the super rich can get away with. Okay. And how they're, uh, you know, the rules for them are a little different. Even when a guy's like, I've killed 30 people. They're like, no, you haven't. Don't that, worry about
0: it. That's pretty perceptive. Don't worry about it. That's very perceptive because that actually gives a wonderful sort of, you know, what do they call that? Like dovetail uh, <laughs> ending to, to the film where, and this is what I was going to get at where it was the the yeah, director. Let's talk about the end. Let's the see. director's one regret. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that apparently what she wants, maybe what's in the book. And what she also wanted for her film was to have it be completely 50-50 ambiguous of, did this stuff happen? Did he kill all these people? Did he kill none of these people? And it was just, like, fantasies in his mind. But she feels like she led it too far down the path of it just being fantasies. Yeah. And that she wished that she would have left it a little bit more, like, God, did he kill all those people? Um, Which I guess there's some of that there. Yeah. But um, but I mean, I, I think because there's one sequence that seems out of place or
1: not even I wouldn't even say out of place. The tone seems a little different. Mm-hmm. And it's uh towards the end of the movie. And it all kind of starts. He's at an ATM and there's like a little cat, uh, which he does not kill. Thank God, because at, at one point in this movie, he fucking curb stops a dog and it's awful. Yeah. Like, it's he does worse than that dog than the homeless guy he stabs. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, and then like the ATM is like, shove a cat in me or whatever it
0: says. Yeah. And he's like... Feed, feed me the stray cat. Yeah, yeah,
1: and he's trying to, and this woman's like, what are you doing? And then he shoots her. Then, then and, and eventually like the cops are chasing him. He has a shootout with the cops, and then like the cop cars explode. and And, and at that moment, he even like... Looks at his gun like, holy shit, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I think that whole segment, and that ends with him leaving his confession on his lawyer's voicemail about all the people that he's killed that we talked about. No, So I think that whole segment is a hint, like, more of him, like, I don't think he had a shootout with the cops and that, like, the cars exploded and shit like that. Yeah. You know, I think all that is just, like, more his brain, like, what else, like, what else could you do? What else could, you know, you, you could do anything. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's very random. He's just, like, randomly shooting people and not homeless people. And real quick, going back, like, that's probably one of my favorite moments of, like, what kind of a character he is when he's talking to that homeless guy. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm going to help you. And then be like, why, are, why don't you get a job? Like is still like almost trying to sound helpful, but just be like, you're a piece of shit. Like right. get a job. Fuck you. Like right. why, why should I help you? And I will help you, but why should I? Cause you suck, you know? <laughs> right. So good. Um, But yeah, so I think that whole segment is like that part's in his head, I guess we'd say. I do think he killed all the other people though. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay, cuz as I'm sitting here listening to you, I I was thinking that it had to be one or the other. That either he killed everybody or he killed nobody. Yeah. But now I wonder if maybe he killed some people, like the homeless guy. Yeah. But that he didn't kill Paul Allen, um, you know, that 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 what a tragedy. Yeah, I I don't know. If I had to go on if I didn't have to split it, if I had to go one way or the other, I would say that he did not kill these people. Because if you see now, somebody could say, well, naturally, the drawings in his sort of diary or or schedule book are obviously exactly the killings that we've seen. Yeah. So do we say to ourselves, those are just the things that we see as film scenes are actually just fantasies like he's drawn in his his sketchbook? Or is he drawing those after the fact of actually having done those killings and sort of reliving them, you yeah. know, and enjoying them and that sort of thing? I am of the the belief, and maybe this is like what the director is saying, I feel very much led in the direction that none of it happened, that he is, because he's referred to several times in the film as the boy next door. So I, f- and that, you know, people mistake his name. Granted, they do it with other people too, yeah. but I feel like, all of the murders in the movie are fictitious and that he is tired of being the boy next door. He never feels like he has the best business card. He never feels like he gets the right reservation. He can't get into Dorcia. um, And that he fantasizes these killings as I'm going to have my power moment. Yeah. Now I would be willing to go 50, 50 with somebody on maybe he doesn't kill the people of prominence that like Paul Allen, but maybe he kills the the hookers, the the strangers, the homeless man, yeah. you know, that he does more of that. Oh, God, I'm not going to actually say it. Lower tier level of killing, you know, like not to devalue <laughs> sure. their life. Well, he but he, does, I'm you saying know. the easy, right. the easy. The, the lower profile, let's yeah. say, um, killing. So I don't know. That's interesting. God, I, you and I are always begging for people to write in. If there was ever a oh, movie for somebody to have an opinion about. Yeah. Does he kill no one? Does he kill everyone? Or does he only yeah. kill some of them? Because another
1: part of the big, you know, oh, what what's going on is he goes back to Paul's apartment to clean up. Right. Because as one of the hookers is trying to escape, like it's like a fun house of murder. Like there are bad b- bodies hanging in the closet. Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> maybe some of those are exaggerated or maybe there aren't as many as like, you know, we're seeing in that moment. Like there's one room that's like, he's like written on the walls and shit like that. There's blood all over the place. Now when he goes, so he goes to Paul's place to clean it up. And as, as he's like, thinks he's sneaking in, there's like a realtor of there showing the place. And he goes to the closet where you know he had shit, and that's all gone. And the realtor is like, "Hey, you know, are you my like two o'clock appointment?" He's like, "No, no, I'm not." She's like, "Well, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, this is Paul Paul Allen's place, right?" And she's like, "No, it's not." Yeah. You know. And then she's like, "Did you did you see the ad in the Times?" He's like, "Yes, I did." She's like, "There was no ad in the Times. Why don't right. you get the fuck out of here?" Right. That makes me believe. And this is a super cynical thing to say uh but i wouldn't put it past them i mean yes there is something to be said of the miraculous speed at which maybe the apartment was cleaned but it's such it's noted several times about how nice that apartment is yeah and it's much easier to just be like let's not tell anyone about the fucking bodies we found in here get these out let's rent this place out as fast as we can right uh, I did like that the first time he goes to Paul's apartment after he's killed him, and he's like talking about how uh anxious he is. Yeah, which is then followed by because I could tell this place cost more than mine. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Good. Right. Um.
0: Well. Okay. Okay. So. So.
1: I, and. Because she is like, you know, get out. So it's almost like she also is a little yeah. Don't ruin this for me. Is, yeah, yeah. To what's going on, like i know you don't want to be here anymore i'm giving you the chance get out she's even like don't come back here he's like yeah I, yep i won't okay sorry
0: i could go for that so i get I could the feeling that.
1: still something happened there
0: maybe um but here's kind of a funny thing and you know i i love to i love to you know play detective and draw these little you know uh, clues together and and string things together and get these little hints a couple things that jump out to me is that maybe they're trying, if you went, okay, if you were angling for that none of the killings happened, Yeah, there would be some vague substance for that in him very first, before we see any, is it before? No, okay. The first instance that we see of anger or homicidal tendencies from him is not him saying it but it's in a reflection of a mirror Right when he's at the bar and he's saying, I want to cut you open and play around with your blood. (laughs) We see that in reflection. Then we go to the famous scene where he's running through his beauty, you know, um, uh, kind of what I want to say routine. Yeah. um, And uh, the products that he uses and he's pulling that mask off. Like you were talking about and saying like, I am simply not there Yeah, that Patrick Bateman, you know, doesn't really exist. So I'm wondering, are they trying to tell us that, Everything that we're about to see doesn't actually happen. I. It's hard to say, right? You, you I could mean, say, that's the. That's, you that's could say what that, they're trying to do. <laughs> you could say that's a comment on his presence as a as a human or having humanity or compassion. You could yeah. say that it's a comment on that, or you could say that, hey guys, strap in, we're going to have fun, but everything that you're about to see doesn't actually happen. Yeah. So I, I don't. I, Maybe she does achieve more ambiguity than she thinks she does.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she did. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yes, then he goes, you know, he sees the lawyer at the drinks and he's like, did you get my message? Of course, the lawyer thinks he's someone else. Right. I love how also everyone just fucking dunks on Patrick Bateman. Yes. All the time. Yes. It's like, that guy sucks. Right. Um, but, yeah. And he's like, no, I had lunch with Paul Allen twice. Yeah. Which is. Is now bumped up because earlier Willem Dafoe was like, oh, yeah, I had one guy say he had lunch with him out there, but now he may be mistaken. And now the lawyer is like, no, I had lunch with him twice in London or Paris or whatever he says.
0: So isn't it possible then? That what we're seeing as a fantasy of him having killed Paul Allen and taking over his residence, that actually it was just Paul Allen was on vacation and Patrick Bateman was just letting himself into Paul Allen's apartment while he was gone in Paris or London.
1: Absolutely. It's also possible, like everyone else in this movie, the lawyer didn't really know who Paul Allen was and <laughs> thought he was having lunch with <laughs> Paul true. Allen. That's but true. But wasn't having lunch with Paul Allen. Or higher ups you know uh that show succession uh there's a part where one of the kids gets in trouble and the dad's like we'll cover it up no problem and and possibly they're like you know maybe a higher up in the company is like i'm gonna cover up patrick Bateman's tracks maybe that's just something we don't see but like hey lawyer guy lie about this everything's
0: fine and maybe maybe the true The truest, whether you want to believe in something did happen or something didn't happen, maybe the real key is not trying to decipher that, but it's listening to Patrick Bateman at the very end of the movie when he says that this confession has been meaningless. Right. And so... As audience members, what does that tell us? It says none of it fucking matters. Maybe he killed some people. Maybe he didn't. Does it really matter if any of these people are dead or yeah. alive? Or did they ever exist at all? The whole this whole existence of these types of people, or at least how Brett Easton Ellis saw them, was that it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't right. matter whether they live or die or whether they exist or don't exist. It just does doesn't matter. They're that vapid and vacant oh. of humanity.
1: And he's at a social level where he
0: will not pay the consequences for his actions. And I do like that, that you I, I am really glad that you said that, because that I think is I did. That did not occur to me that the idea that somebody at that level could be as blatant as he is trying to be and nobody even wants to hear it because that that's not you know that doesn't fit in with you know chilean sea bass at uh dorcia that night you know like (laughs) it doesn't fit that mold um so they just don't want to hear it yeah you know um and so yeah that 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 they could get away with it because it's don't put a stain on on the hamptons for god's sake like don't don't put a stain on what our existence is at this level yeah we don't people see that. People are
1: only in trouble
0: if you have people willing to hold them accountable. Right. And and you know what Not that sh- that's playing that shit into is
1: anything real. in the modern day right now at all.
0: <laughs> but that shit is real though. It's like how many times do we have to see instances of like, you know, the preppy killer or like it's always like such a tagline where it's like how could somebody from so much prominence and <laughs> right. such a well-respected family do such a thing um that that they expect that they are above that. Yeah. And that, and that, that has no place in their circle. So yeah. maybe, maybe that is a comment on that. It, yeah. it, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah.
1: You could easily do a story about someone who just does this out of boredom because they feel they've achieved that status. And they're like,
0: watch, I can shoot someone on fifth Avenue. No one would care. You know, it reminds me there actually was, if I, if I'm not mixing them up, that there actually was that guy that was known as the preppy killer, <laughs> and it was an interesting case it was the mid 80s and it was the first it was kind of the first instance of like date rape as a as a thing uh-huh. and um and this guy from this where prominent where we started family, to acknowledge it we, exactly yeah, yes, yes 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 let me make what that nice. clear but he's quoted as saying now, he tried to explain it as it was just rough sex that got out of hand. Yeah. And I, I believe the quote is she squeezed my balls and I just couldn't handle that, <laughs> which is like, well, I don't know what you're into. but it sounds <laughs> All right. But um, anyway, I just say, yeah, I totally not even thought about that guy in forever. But um, but yes, I, I think that. That there's, there's room to enjoy this movie in whatever way you want to. We always talk about how to watch a movie. I think that if you want to sit and watch this as a comedy, it's right there for you. Oh, the yeah. The whole way through. If you want to try to read into it and figure it out and decipher, you can do that, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I don't think it overcomplicates itself. It just it's leaves worth enough.
1: watching for the Jared Leto killing.
0: <laughs> you know. And see,
1: especially like especially, let me add on to my how people just willingly turn the blind eye. He's like dragging this bloody bag through his fucking lobby. The 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 doorman barely looks up. He's loading this dead body into a cab and uh 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 what's his face? Uh Matt Ross is like, hey, Patrick Bateman Wow, nice overnight bag. Yeah. Like <laughs> just like totally focusing on the material shit and right. and then it's over.
0: And isn't that funny? Because like that character kind of seems like maybe the nicest of them all oh, for sure. but but yet even he he's always like commenting uh patrick on um or complimenting him on his suits you know that bag his garment bag whatever like he's just as surface as the rest of them he just yeah. is a little kinder and gentler yeah but um but he's into the rough stuff yeah <laughs> yeah well like i said that whole i ant- do love
1: that or patrick like it's just like he can't take it anymore he's like i'm just gonna murder this guy in the bathroom right and the guy and he takes it as a sexual advance
0: and maybe maybe it's like well, choke me daddy yeah all that stuff is just beneath the surface like i said but um is it because because the part of the joke of this is that they're comparing like these higher levels of business cards when so many of them look exactly the same yeah
1: but, oh yeah he's gonna kill him over his business card but isn't
0: like, it is it that that character's business card is kind of like even like the best because it is is it's like bonkers
1: because yeah yeah, it's a it's a nice off white it's like gold lettering yeah almost like his last name is first and in capital letters yeah like this just looks like every weird the little like how can i improve this part this part this part yeah yeah it's that that card is so over the
0: top (laughs) right yeah, but it's I think it's an important thing to mention though that like for all of the despicable things that we're talking about like this movie is a- above all other things fun. Yeah, it's a fun watch. Um
1: speaking of fun, there is a hilarious short parody video that Weird Al did with Huey Lewis <laughs> where they do the I don't remember what they're talking about though. They're not talking about it's it's Weird Al, so it's probably you know, TV or something. Right. I don't remember what it but it's like a beat for beat that scene where he ends up then killing Huey Lewis. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there are, I've seen so many parodies of this. There's also god, College Humor did a parody of the that whole business card scene, and I can't remember what that was about. It was just something dumb like getting their balls shaved or something like that. <laughs> but it was, you know, spot on. Like those, yeah. those bits are so I feel like meticulously crafted. Like there are some scenes in this movie, which I, I don't think we talked about yet on air. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah. yeah like his morning regimen that, that, you know, business card scene. Like there are just moments in this where you're just like, like the lighting is fucking perfect. Oh yeah. And everything. It's just like, oh, this is a mm, nice little pocket scene. Put this over here. Yeah. I described the- it
0: as like Scorsese style. Like it's yeah. that level of like, the way that uh, we had a friend that um, said something about I remember he, he just recently posted something about a Scorsese moving like movie feeling like like a warm blanket, like uh-huh. the way that he just uses scenes up. And it's it's not like overdone, but it's just like, God, this is it's just immediately iconic. Yeah. And there are scenes in this movie, just like you said, that are immediately like, you're watching it, and you're like, I am watching something important. Yeah. <laughs> like, this scene is is going to be around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I, I recommend American Psycho.
1: <laughs> I recommend American Psycho. I hadn't seen it since, you know, Nancy came in, and she's like, what was the last time you watched this? I'm like, when we watched it. She's like, oh, my God, which, I mean, had to have been. I don't know, 2002. I wasn't, I wasn't even in this house.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it holds Way up back. pretty well. I mean, it, it holds up well in the instance that, um, that it is set at a specific time. Yeah. So even if it ages, I'm sure that a foodie could like watch this movie and be like oh my god like that's that (laughs) dish is so passe like you know like i mentioned the chilean sea bass earlier where it's like you know that was all the rage and whatever it
1: is crazy to think though that like when this movie came out it felt so far removed from like 87 or 88 but it's only 12 years like oh that's true could you imagine just thinking about something 12 years like 2010
0: (laughs) right we've made
1: no cultural yeah yeah making a period
0: piece about 2010 (laughs) right exactly right
1: but it feels so like so far removed so crazy yeah we're decades
0: don't they just don't feel like they used to feel well well, you know i I, if i had to just real quickly have a theory for that i think that with the advent of the internet that there's so much exposure to it's not just like culture starts at the coasts and then works its way in eventually that i mean everybody has instant access to everything so it's not like um and it's It's also grad like like a it's not a glacial thing yes and and it's also like the the style and this is really am i am i gonna do this twice in an episode to the to the millennials credit like um (laughs) like they became more of like a choose your own adventure thing like when I when my girls see movies where it's like the jock, the nerd, the this, the burnout, the whatever, they're yeah. like, this is not like that anymore. <laughs> like it's just a yeah, lot right. more like if you want to be, if you want to put on like rabbit ears or whatever, like that's fine. You're just one of those people, <laughs> right? You know. So I just think that things are a lot more. Um, You're like
1: five years out of being a millennial too, just to you know.
0: I don't know, though, but I, I, I for all, fuck that. Like I am, I would never admit to that. No, there are some people just a handful of years after us to
1: admit. It's just how time works.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly Gen X, but I am. I am not also not going to be the jerk that sits around and say that millennials are awful and garbage. I think that's nonsense. I think every generation has something, uh, some transgressions and some wonderful things to offer as well. Yeah. So, no,
1: you're taking a bold stance being the generation that comes after me is not as good as my generation. Like it's <laughs> right, a exactly. pretty hot take.
0: Yeah. Well, we as Gen X, we don't have many hot takes at all about anything. I mean, our oh. our, our big thing was apathy. So, you <laughs> know, um, no, but I, I God bless those millennials for making a lot more things socially. OK, I think that's extremely important. Yeah. And I do credit them for that thoroughly yeah um
1: a lot of colored hair these days who would have thought that would have been just like a normal thing people don't give a fuck about
0: right well i think that's just kind of normalized
1: tattoos thank you thanks millennials
0: right yeah it's it's hard to stand out these days i mean it's true you know and and, um i don't know like i keep saying like i think that the next person to stand out is just like the next james dean to come along will be a guy that like has no phone like has no has no social media, it doesn't even have a phone. Like, oh, he he just transferred here from somewhere. They say he doesn't even have a phone. Like that'll be the sexy guy. You have to mail him. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even have email. No, he doesn't have
1: email. Yeah, not I didn't say email him. You have to mail him <laughs> to buy a stamp.
0: Uh <laughs> yes. Uh I don't know how we got there, but American Psycho is a great film. It's a great film, and hey, uh, thanks we, to
1: our uh, one of our patrons uh, suggested we do oh. this. So thank you to him.
0: And and let me just say real quick, he
1: wants us to say his name. I'm not going to. He probably has uh, something written in work. He's not allowed to have his name mentioned on a podcast.
0: He knows who he is. He knows who he is. Yes. Um. So, one thing I will say about this movie, though. I mentioned it earlier. We don't get to say this very often. A lot of people have seen this movie. Go ahead and see it again. Yeah. If you, A lot of you are sitting out there being like, God, like you said, I haven't seen this movie in 15 or 20 years. Um, watch it again. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's great.
1: And I like remembered most of it. I, I was like, because I do remember being completely baffled by the ending and being like, I must have missed something somewhere hmm. uh, the first time I watched it. Yeah. So like I was really I was like laser focused in a lot of stuff this time and I was like nope nope it's okay it's supposed to be yeah. super ambiguous. Thank God. Thank God. Uh also do not watch the sequel. <laughs> the dumb
0: sequel. Uh, d- not even technically a sequel. And and I that's kind of uh it's pretty safe to say because I'm not sure anybody has. No.
1: I would say even probably the people who were in it. <laughs> uh what why can't I think of her name? Uh, Mila Jackie, Kunis. Mila Kunis. Yeah, Mila. I, I believe is. they changed the name of the movie after she filmed it. So like she filmed it, and then they were like, "Actually, we're going to make this a sequel to
0: American Psycho." She's like, "What?" Yeah, bad move. Not I, a fan. I've told you about how they do that in like foreign, uh, foreign oh, yeah. countries. Yes. Yeah, they'll just <laughs> uh, just call it The Godfather Two. Well, that's probably a, <laughs> yeah four. because there actually is a Godfather Two. Right. Yeah. There you go. Godf- Hi, Godfather Godfather, for <laughs> um, Yes, but uh, no, I, I am. I am glad that we picked this. And I, I, here's something I will say real quick as a final point. Um, and it's kind of just a simple point. But I was very excited in that you and I have covered a lot of movies that we've been sort of on the verge of like are the edge of. Is this a horror movie or is it not? Yeah. And I personally would lump this one in with it but it is pretty resoundingly referred to as a horror movie yeah which I thought was cool yeah I'm, we're happy to have it yeah I know
1: it's I, every time I, we like question I'm always always, inevitably like in the next couple of weeks especially on like the horror subreddit on reddit it's I, I know no one on that subreddit listens to our show but it's like <laughs> they do because it'll be like like a week after we did Annihilation someone would we'll be like fuck Annihilation fucks and it is a horror movie I'll be like alright thank you <laughs> but it's happened like three or four times where it's something we've covered is then like you know what it's actually a really good horror movie this movie
0: I'm like, how do we get ourselves out do we need keychains is that what it is <laughs> do, we- do we need like some merch is that what oh. it takes to get on Reddit <laughs> how do we get ourselves out there <laughs> Post if you our, like post this our show, <laughs> yeah. If you like this show, tell your friends.
1: Yeah, please. you know we've made it when we get our own subreddit. Yeah, we, which we could make. Someone could. Okay. I don't, I don't really know what that is, but yeah, that's funny and not surprising. <laughs> it's just a web. It's a website, Tim. You have to type in www.reddit.com. Right. Http yeah. colon slash slash. All right. <laughs> Enough jokes about. One Tim who wishes he was a boomer. <laughs> uh, all right, that was American Psycho from two thousand. Wow, what's what are we doing next time?
0: I don't know. What episode are we up to now? I
1: think it's. Let me check. Holy
0: shit! Episode one hundred, or as we say in Indiana, a hundred, hundred, hundred. <laughs> it's a hundred, a hundred.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, episode one hundred. We'll be doing, I mean, my favorite horror movie of all time. I'm going to say it's up in your top at least five. Sure. 1984, It's a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh,
0: that's a good one.
1: The OG.
0: It is a good one. Oh,
1: it's so good. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited because I have a reason to watch it again.
0: Where do I even start? I mean, like, I'm going to need like six notepads. (laughs) I'm going to just be just the most like annoying fucking person in that episode that's
1: all right <laughs> yeah i'm excited um god i love it and it just you know it has it's just the perfect combo of like i'm just hearing
0: the music right now that <laughs> that eerie music yeah oh god it's so good
1: it's just one of those like it's a perfect combo of you know it hits all my nostalgia hits i also just think the concept is like fucking crazy
0: and awesome and kudos to us for just edging for 99 episodes oh and god, waiting to get here not got oh here. my god Oh, it wasn't in the first five right and we've waited until now and it'll be worth it yeah well you know yeah we didn't want
1: to do like you don't want to hit them all hard yeah. at the beginning and be right. like well now we're out of now we have to do <laughs> yeah, right jeepers creepers too <laughs> Should do? Nah, I don't know if I want to do that movie.
0: That guy is a uh, that director is a bad news. Well, don't don't rip on Jeepers Creepers the first one too much because. We, well, I think I, he'd
1: agree. Uh, <laughs> the main star, yeah, Justin
0: Long. Yeah, I would love to ask him about. Uh, yeah, God, if only there was some way <laughs> that we could talk to him.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I would love to have him as a guest. Like we if do- we
0: knew somebody, right. That knew, that knew somebody. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: I don't know. If, I don't know if I know anyone who knows him directly, but I think like through like three or four degrees of separation, I'm sure we know someone who knows. And if someone who knows someone who knows Justin Long,
0: and if we knew that person, we'd probably say their name on the air.
1: Maybe I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, join us next week, episode one hundred. It's a nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, check out our website, SlumberPodcastMassacre dot com. Uh, shoot us an email slumber podcast at gmail.com the fuck's up with this uh the end of american psycho what do you think uh, uh check out our twitch channel twitch.tv slash slumber massacre it's up i haven't streamed anything yet i will i will in the next here's my promise to everyone within the next two weeks i will start streaming games uh, I, I've been waiting for spring break to be over, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and a huge thanks to our patrons. You helped make this possible. Please throw us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever uh, else you get your podcasts. Tim, before you got to... Before you have to return some videotapes, is there anything else you have to say
0: about American Psycho? Well, you know, it's funny. I I don't know. Not bring up that line. I don't know if anybody is ever actually interested in our, you know, before and after rituals. But I am. uh, After the show, as you know, we we like to go out and we we head down to your garage and we have some drinks and some smokes and we we hang out a bit. You know, post show cool down. And uh, it's Friday night. We're rarely recording on a Friday night, which is kind of special. So I'm excited to go down there and party like it's episode
1: 99. (laughs) All right, Tim. Uh, Prince reference. Bye.